Yomalis! Welcome to the Naked Mennonites, a place uh, for all of Mano Simons' black sheep. I am your host, Stephen Harder of Grunthal, and I'm sure you all know uh, my parents, Diedrich and Helena Harder, also of Grunthal. And I am just so glad that you're here to join us today uh, on the party line. I've got a very, very uh, special phone call here lined up. Today, we're going to be talking with Mr. Patrick Siemens of Steinbach. Now, I need you, I, I need to warn you now, just in advance a little bit, that uh, Mr. Patrick Siemens, he is actually an atheist. Yo, yo, right in Steinbach. I don't know if he's the only one. Uh, but, uh, I know that I personally have never spoken to an atheist before, but, but I'm not too worried, you know, because, you know, I know that, that I've been, you know, washed in the blood of the lamb that was slain, and I know that I have eaten the flesh and drank the blood of the Son of Man, and I've, and I've donned the complete armor of God, you know, including strapping on the sword of the word. So, you know, I feel pretty confident that we can, you know, win him back to our, our loving and gracious Lord and Savior here today. I, I think that, I think we can give that a shot here today. So, you know, I'm going to give him a ring on the party line here and, and see if we can get a hold of him here. Now, just let me, just let me pull it up here. Okay. Hello. Oh, hello, hello. Is it, is this Patrick Siemens of the Steinbach Exchange? Yes, it is. Oh, good. It's Patrick, and he's taken out life insurance. <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe he's thrown away his eternal life insurance. I don't know. <laughs> Ah, no, I'm Time just fucking with you, yo, yo. Uh, yeah, no, it's Stephen Harder calling from the Naked Mennonite, and I was just hoping that we could have a little bit of a chitty chat here, you know, on the party line, and uh, just get to know you a little bit more, and uh, see if we can help bring you back into the fold, you know. So thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat with me today. I, I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, straight off, I want you to know that I've never actually spoken with, you know, a real live atheist before. So, just so you know, um, but I want you to know that, that I'm here with a, a totally open mind, a complete blank slate. Totally, totally non-judgmental or anything of you and your evil ways. So... You know, if at any point during the conversation you need to, I don't, I don't know what you people do, whether it's like drink the blood of a virgin or, you know, go sacrifice a goat to a demon or whatever. I want you to know that that is totally your business. Um, that's, that's totally, totally your call there. And, you know, I thought maybe we could have like a little code phrase or something like, oh, maybe, I don't know. Like you could, if you needed to step away for a moment, you could say, uh, I have to go worship Lucifer, my king. And if you say that, I'll just know. I'll just know that you need to excuse yourself for a moment. You know, does that, does that 
Does that sound like an okay arrangement? Is that uh, is that something you're comfortable with? I I really appreciate you making me feel so at home and comfortable, and uh, you know, willing to accommodate me like that. That's fantastic. Well, you know, if uh, we got to be the light and the salt in a very dark place, Patrick. So it's it's my pleasure to be your humble servant that way. Okay, good. Well, then, without further ado, we got to we got to just take care of a little bit of housekeeping here. As you know, our program here is called the Naked Mennonite. So you know, everyone on it needs to be two things, uh, and the first one, of course, is naked. So I I can tell you that I'm sitting here in uh, in my kitchen at the table right now uh, with not really a thing on. It's uh, it's a little chilly in here, so I did I did put my black hat back on. Uh, but otherwise, it's just just me in my anniversary clothes, you might say. And uh, are you you know um, uh, like, are you uh, are 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 you are you you? Um, I'm I'm wearing a sock. Oh, okay, okay. On on your uh, foot. Uh. I'll plead the fifth. Okay, okay, that's totally oh, second, fine. I forget what it is. That that I I don't even know. I didn't finish my way through <laughs> school. But where it, where you, I think if I can wear a hat, you can wear a sock. That's totally Great. fine. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh yeah. Well, I'm very accommodating here. Okay. Now, next, we need to know if you are in fact a man a night, because you can't be on this program if you aren't. So I've got a little quiz here. Just three questions. Really simple. Uh, first off, where are you from? I am from Yantzid. Um, okay. From Rosa Nort. Oh, okay. The okay. Nort of I hear, Roses. I, I hear that's very much like Landmark on our side here. I've been oh, okay. Wow. I, I don't know Landmark well enough to say that. Um, I feel like Rosa Nort is sort of the mini Steinbeck. Oh, I have lots really? of roots. My deeper roots are from Steinbeck. Steinbeck, oh. Blumenort, that okay. area. Oh, okay. Well, welcome back. Good to have you here, I think. Thank you. Okay, cool. So you're hailing from Rosenort. Okay, I'm putting a big check mark next to that. Yeah, one yo, there. yo, yo. Check mark. Okay. Okay, second question. Did you go to Bible college? I did. Yep. Oh, super. Here at uh, the SBC? No, at that uh, Viltlich uh, Providence College. Oh. Yeah. Prov. Oh. Yeah. Did you, like, take courses at Prov and then, like, transfer them to somewhere else? Or were you just going to be at Prov? Well, I went into Prov thinking I was going to become a missionary pilot. So oh, oh, of course, then. Yeah, you have to go to Prov, then. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, wonderful. Oh, that's so, that's very noble of you wanting to fly into the mission field like that. That's, that's a great idea. Okay, okay. So then, uh, but you didn't, uh, you didn't play on any sports teams or anything like that, right? Well, I tried, but I wasn't good enough for either of the volleyball or the hockey teams, unfortunately. Okay. Well, that says a good thing about you, then. You've got your priorities straight, then. Okay. Okay, and third. Hypothetical situation. If you are sitting in a restaurant with someone else from the church, and the waitress asks you what you want to drink, 
What is the correct answer? Oh boy, correct according to Mennonite tradition, or no, well, what yeah, I would actually do. No, no. Well, the correct Mennonite answer. Oh, okay. One Mennonite answer. Um, probably just water because it's free, and oh. there's definitely no alcohol in it. Yeah. Okay. There's two right answers then. That's a good answer too. Yeah. Yeah. With lemon or without the lemon? Oh no, lemon. That's. Uh, I don't think that's a tradition I grew up with. No. No, that's... Although that's lukewarm water, lukewarm water sometimes was uh, on the menu. Hmm. It's easier on the stomach or something like that. Yo, yo, oh, Patrick, you got 100% on this quiz here. I gotta let you know. Well, like the, yeah, you, no, you got 100% for sure. Those are three solid, solid answers. So, uh, yeah, just so excited to, to have you here and to listen to... Uh, a little bit of your story and understand, uh, just understand uh, your thinking a little bit here. Uh, so uh, I was uh, talking with the pastor the other day, uh, and he gave me a list of questions uh, just to run through with you here. Uh, and if you could answer them uh, that, as honestly as possible, that'd be great. Uh, so first off, uh, why did you choose to stop believing in our Lord and Savior? Yeah, that's a great question there, Stephen. <laughs> well, I, it's a little bit of a gotcha, I think. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to say there wasn't a choice. What? No. Yeah. Everything's a choice. We have free will. <laughs> what, are, what do you mean, Patrick? Please elaborate a little bit for us. Well, I'm for nearly convinced that there isn't free will. And I'm convinced that um, because there isn't free will, there isn't a whole lot of choice. Our circumstances and our upbringing and our wiring and our, everything about us pretty much just decides for us what we're going to decide. So um, I would say the closest I could answer that question would be um, it didn't make sense anymore to believe. That's why I stopped. I see, I see. Interesting. And uh, how long ago was that, approximately? Ooh, um, I don't know that there was an official date. I'm going to say it probably happened around... Uh, 15 years ago. Okay, so then you've been on this course for a while now, then. Yeah. Yep. And I don't know that I've always uh, called myself an atheist or said that I uh, certainly don't believe, but I've been on some variation of it. Agnostic, humanist, um, atheist in its most basic translation as uh, A for non, not anti, just non-theist. Mm, interesting. And uh, when you, you came to this uh, revelation, uh, how, did, how did the, how did your, the people closest to you uh, that you shared it with, how did they respond? 
Well, the closest people to me would be my partner, um, my wife. And for her, it was uh, a challenge for sure. Um, she didn't like hearing that. And she wasn't in the same place as I. So it took some time to get to understand each other and for her to accept me for who I was and uh, lose her fear of my salvation or lack thereof. Um, and a lot of just avoiding. A lot. There's a lot of people that would be or would have been close to me that have not talked to me about it at all. And um, so, yeah, a whole gamut, wide range. Interesting. Huh. And, and for yourself, um, what, what kind of sensations were you going through when you're, you're mm -hmm. losing this faith? Well, like if you were, if you were, why, why don't you uh, rewind us uh, a little bit and and give us just kind of an understanding of your your background and uh you know you're saying that you you wanted to be a, a missionary pilot that's someone who isn't talking about being a commercial aviator you know it sounds like you uh you had the things of god on mind so tell us a little bit more about the patrick before he he had those thoughts well, I grew up very Mennonite in a Mennonite church, going to church every Sunday, um, led to the Lord at a young age by probably my mother. I grew up in a very Christian town as Rosenord is, or certainly was when I was there. And everyone around me was Christian and it was a full on Christian bubble, very mono uh, as far as race or religion or even within Christianity, we were all EMCers pretty well. There was um, one Church in town, but all three of the others were EMC Mennonite. Um, and then, yeah, I ended up um, wanting to go to Prov to get my pilot's license. And being a missionary pilot sounded exciting it sounded like a job that i would jump out of bed and go do with enthusiasm and i'd be spreading the word of god and um, evangelizing helping people in various ways medically education wise all sorts of things it was just going to be great um living overseas would have been so fun and exciting i thought as well and like there's also you know, a practical element to that type of aid as well, right? It isn't just that you're going there to preach or going there to translate the Bible. You're, you're, sounds like you're, you're excited by the prospect of, of lending tangible aid to people too. Am I, am I reading too much into that? No, that's true. That's all part of it. That would have been good as well. But at the time I probably would have been thrilled to be handing out Bibles. I, at that point in my life, I would have thought that would have been a good thing. Interesting. Cool. Um, so then, like, is there, was there a first, you know, crack uh, in the foundation that you can recall? What, or what, uh, what, what, what led to the, the crumbling of, what was that first, first crack in the foundation? Well, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, and I, this is what I tell people still, is that at Providence, there was a shift. The foundation started shifting. Um, and I 
think it was a combination of meeting other Christians from other denominations other than EMC. And these other Christians had other opinions than I did. They thought differently. They interpreted the Bible differently, slightly, but differently. Um, and then also seeing that the professors were giving a more maybe scientific history of the Bible than the history I was taught in Sunday school. And that, you know, there was many authors and possible and plausible authors of various books of the Bible. Um, Moses borrowed from several sources that predated him. A lot of the stories out of the Bible were borrowed from other cultures and other faiths, other religions. Um, yeah, and it all started to uh, make me ask questions about this little sort of juvenile faith I'd grown up with and been given. And uh, I started to explore that. And what I wanted to do was what a good Sunday school teacher actually taught, told me was at some point in my life, I'm going to have to wipe down this religion that I was handed off of its foundation. And the foundation is God. And then rebuild my own faith on that foundation. And so I tried that. I was so confused and kind of taken aback by all the things I was hearing at Prov that I decided, okay, I'm going to kind of just start with there's a God and the Christian God, and I'm going to try and build that up. Um, so I, I tried doing that. And what I found is that that foundation I started questioning too. And I never could build anything back on that foundation because the foundation itself faded as I investigated. And I wanted to investigate fairly, so what I did is I tried to hear both sides of the story. I, the non-theist, atheists, as well as the believing Christians, I wanted to see them speak to each other in real time. Because going to one website sounds very convincing, and then going to the opposite side website sounds very convincing. Well, how would they sound if they were face-to-face? -face? So I started listening to a lot of debates. And I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to see why I should believe what I have always been told to believe and that, you know, Christianity is going to win because it's the truth. And if it is the truth, it's going to come out and be the truth. And it never did. The atheists, although maybe not the most eloquent speakers or debaters, were still winning in my mind. They may not technically win the debate, but they had the more convincing, logical, reasoned arguments, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, so it's ironic that Providence College was what started steering me away. Well, I don't think you're the first. I think I've heard that a time or two as well. So maybe we should uh, take that up with their, their president and see what they're doing <laughs> wrong there. Yes. Make people question their faith and think deeply about it. That's not what we're about. So just to clarify here, you took your the teachings of your, you know, Sunday school teachers and the teacher the teachings of these professors and you listened to the professors? 
you think that that a professor's opinion weighs more heavily than an untrained Sunday school? Well, sorry, not <laughs> untrained. Uh, you know, because they've got their little booklet there, and I'm sure yeah. they have uh, an orientation at the end of summer, probably maybe beginning of September every year. You know, where they get some training on how to be a Sunday school teacher. So you're saying that you uh, you think that someone who is more educated is a more uh, reliable source of information than a Sunday school teacher? You know, generally speaking, I would say yes. There are exceptions to that, unfortunately, as we're seeing. Because ah. <laughs> people from every side of every opinion can bring their experts in that appear to be educated and knowledgeable. But um, yes, no, I saw... I saw the depth of study and knowledge in the Bible and it's, um, I'd never seen it in that depth in Sunday school, that sort of knowledge. And so I did give a little more weight to what the professors were telling me, mm-hmm. but they were still yeah. saying, they were still saying, you know, you still got to have this faith in God and that God was still real and that it was still a wonderful story and um yeah i had a hard time hanging on to that wonderfulness of it all Mm, so they were able to help chip away at your foundation but they didn't have something worthwhile to build off of well i imagine that they would say they did and maybe if i'd stayed in school longer i would learn their version of that foundation but um i don't think i'd be convinced by it anymore I, um, yeah, I think, I think had I stayed in the faith and sort of modeled it after my professors, it would have been a lot more liberal and open-minded, um, non-judgmental. So, yeah. That doesn't sound very Christian, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Not according to the old Patrick either. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, then, like, what what does that do? What did that do for you in the time uh, when you think about uh, your eternal self? Like, it was that was that something you had peace over? It's just like, well, it is what it is. Were there times where you were scared? Were you doubtful? Were you unsure? How how do you how did you grapple with the idea of losing out on on that eternal salvation that you had always had in your back pocket growing up? Yeah, I don't know that I'm over that even now. I think if I would listen to the right message or the right tearful plea from a believer, um, there's still a tug somewhere there, and and I attribute that to you know. 30 plus years of indoctrination and I know it sounds, it's a quite negative word, but a, a brainwashing of sorts where, you know, if I had, let's say burnt my hand in a bonfire as a child, even now I'd likely have some leftover um, remnants of that PTSD. I don't know if that's the right term, but of that uh, to this day, Um, and so certainly at first when I realized I was walking away from that, it was scary and that kept me in it probably longer than 
you know, than if there was no threat of hell. So yeah, that was, that was quite fearful. And it was, and it was something for my wife to get through as well. She read a book by Rob Bell called Love Wins. And I started recommending that to my Christian friends and uh, anyone who would say they were worried about my faith or my eternity, I should say. And um, I feel like he made just as good an argument as anyone else I heard as to why, even as a Christian, I he wouldn't believe that I was going to hell as an atheist. And uh, so that, that was comforting to my wife. I don't know if it's been comforting to anyone else. I think you argue your current beliefs on hell uh, and you're hesitant to change them. So yeah, people would argue against that book, I'm sure, if they didn't want to believe that or weren't comfortable switching to that. Um, but over time, yeah, I've become more comfortable. Now I'm mostly convinced that uh, when my life is over, then the lights just go off and I go back to what it was like before I was born. I don't recall suffering before I was born and I don't, I don't suffer in a dreamless sleep. Um, and I'm currently assuming that that's what it'll be like. So just uh, to encapsulate that, you're saying that you don't believe that you're going to be punished forever and ever and ever in ever unending torment for you know, sins of Adam and Eve. No. And, uh, I find Weird. it, <laughs> yeah, strange. Hey, eh? I, I find it very, uh, uh, hard to reconcile the, uh, good, just loving God that would, uh, condemn me to eternity of separation from him. And not only that, but as some form of torture on top of it, just, or not finding the hard evidence I require to believe. And uh, I haven't heard a good response to that dilemma. But Patrick, isn't it smarter to, you know, believe in the Bible and be wrong than to not believe in it and, and be wrong? Like if you had to place a bet, yeah, Pascal's wager. Does, yeah. Oh, is that what? I don't know who Pascal is. That oh, sounds well. French. I don't <laughs> truck with no Catholics here. No. <laughs> yeah, you're no, not no. Catholic, are you? No, no. I, uh, in light of the recent news, I will. Yeah. Oh, that's why you've stepped away from your. Catholic <laughs> faith. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that Pascal's wager is a good one. And that one was convincing to me for a period of time that uh, what's the harm? Why not believe even if you're wrong? Because at least you have lived a good life and you've, you've um, you know, obeyed the Ten Commandments. And um, yeah. Yeah, you're a happy person. You get to spend every Sunday morning at church and every Wednesday evening at church. And, you know, you always have something to give 10% of all your money to, you know. Yeah. Good cause. There's lots of wonderful things. Yeah. Yo, yo. But that you're, you're going to roll the dice and you're going to say it's not worth the risk. 
sadly, don't want all those benefits. Sadly, that believing in the Bible came with a lot of things that uh, I believe are harmful now. No. And I'm not, and I'm not saying all Christians have these beliefs, but my beliefs in the Bible came along with uh, discrimination beliefs, and it came with some sort of superiority, and it whoa, came whoa. with. Someone from Rosenort thought that they were superior <laughs> to someone else? No. Say it's not so. Wow, yeah. It could be egotistical over there, too. Yeah. No, I don't think that uh, having my old beliefs in the Bible would be benefiting me now. I'm, in a, I'm a better person now than I was then, I believe. I don't need mm -hmm. to judge anyone for their gender or choice of gender or non-gender or I don't have to um, yeah it, it's even changed the way I look at uh, uh, the justice system prisons sentencing a lot of things hmm. and I believe in a more positive way But how is that possible if you don't have any morals? Right. Yeah. Well, that's where uh, the humanism comes in. Oh, and, humanism. Uh, what is that? Yeah. Good question. That's not, that's not in the Bible? No. No, it isn't. No, I, I, enjoy, uh, I enjoy being positive with humans and enjoying the positive attributes of being human and not only humanism i think that one's even a slightly narrow worldview almost although i guess it depends how you interpret it or describe it um because i would extend to animals and nature and the planet that uh it's probably best to just try to be as positive to everything on the planet, everyone on the planet, every animal, every plant, the climate. And uh, it's not easy, and I'm not doing a great job of it. Uh, it's something to aspire to. And, um, yeah, I, I live more by humanist values than, than the traditional or my old Christian values. Okay, but when you say animals, you don't mean every animal, right? Well, I do slap mosquitoes and flies, so I have a ways to go yet. Okay, I haven't but arrived. Like, <laughs> but like pigs and cows, though. Like... I'm having a hard time lately with uh, eating meat, especially factory farmed meat. And, oh, uh, no. oh, yeah, I'm not sure what to do about it yet. Oh, Patrick. I have ideas of what I should be doing about it, but uh, enacting yeah. on those, I uh, haven't gone very far yet. Oh, that's interesting there, because I know that in the Bible it says that every animal is just good for eating, so you know, so, so uh, that, that's, you know, I just take the Bible at its word. If it says that snakes are good to eat, then let's eat snakes, and if it's good to dance with uh, poisonous snakes and not get bit, well, you know, I'm not going to dance with a snake. Obviously. Well, no, 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 yeah. No, that'd be sinful. 
dancing yeah we and that's what i like about steinbach too you know we have that same the same roots in rosenart that dancing oh boy Mm -hmm. that's a big no-no once a year (laughs) yeah for which occasion for your anniversary of course oh yes same lovely woman that you married (laughs) 12 years ago or whatever it was in your late teens there yeah Uh, right yeah. So why do you place your faith in science instead of the Bible of God, you know? Mm-hmm. Why, why, is, why is, don't you think that uh, the evidence of the Bible is just as convincing, if not more convincing, than, than science? If science says that, oh yeah, look at all this stuff, it just came from nothing. This pocket watch is just, you know, floating through space here. Oh, I guess it just came from nothing. Uh, why do you, if that, if that's, that sounds, uh, to, you know, I'm just going to be honest. To me, that sounds a little far-fetched, you know, compared to a loving, gracious, creating God who, you know, made everything for us to use up and enjoy here. Uh, you know, one sounds, you know, a little bit more realistic than the other. Why, why do you place your faith in science? when it doesn't have, you know, that many good answers. Yeah, well, because uh, science changes, and and that's no. actually good. No. That science Why changes. That yeah, and, it's, and science is wrong, and science can admit that it's wrong, and science can then correct the wrong to be a bit more right after. And with a whole bunch of those wrongs and a bit more rights, then we get to have this conversation that we're having on our phones, on the internet, using satellites in space. And we also get to know that the Earth is round and not flat with four corners, as the Bible may imply. Um, the Bible has a lot of medical treatments in it that I don't know that anyone really looking back would use those for their ailments. They'd likely go to their doctor and use the ones that science has developed. And so for practical solutions to problems, science has a far better track record and I think even your Ten Commandments would be changed if you had science and reasoning as your basis for making them. Because they do omit a few things and they have some things in there that are sort of pointless. Well, I don't know about that. You know, when God says, don't have any other gods before me, you know, it it sounds like he's saying that you can have other gods after him, but we all know that there are no other gods. Um, although when he was, you know, speaking those words to Moses, clearly they had other gods, um, you know, around, made up ones, of course, not the real one. Of course, um, of course. But, you know, he wasn't, you know, he was telling them not to, not to worship those ones before him, or at all is kind of what the 
the subtext is. And then, like, the next few commandments are just, like, really saying, hey, no, really, no, really, I am the only one you're supposed to be worshipping here, you know. <laughs> yeah. I wonder why he's so hung up on being worshipped, you know. <laughs> I don't know if if I made... If I was making creation, I don't know if I'd be like, hey, worship me all the time because I'm so <laughs> awesome, you know. I, but whatever, if I was, I guess. Well, you know, it's, but maybe he's got dad issues. Oh, well, I don't know. if your dad killed you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, uh, I heard a nice comparison between the uh, love chapter and God's love as... Uh, as shown uh, in the Old Testament, you know, slow to anger, uh, the whole list. What is that? Mm. Corinthians thirteen or something like that. Oh, maybe oh, you can maybe course, you can pull it up. And, oh, I uh, know it right. Love is patient. Love is kind. Head. Never boasts. Oh boy. Endures all. Love never. Yes, endures all. Yeah. When there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I thought like a child, something like a child, believed like a child. But when, oh, no, I lost it. That's, that, that was a Back to Sunday school. <laughs> well, that was probably a summer camp one. I think I memorized that one in summer camp. Uh, along with Psalm 119, something like that. Yeah, a few of those. I know I did the Beatitudes in Sunday school. Okay, yeah. Very impressive. We said them in front of the church and everyone clapped afterwards. Yeah. No, I find it, I, I find it interesting and, and, and telling that uh, the attributes of God seem very human. God is, God, hmm. God is jealous. He's a jealous God. And uh, he's vengeful. And he's, and it says that it says it straight out in the Bible. He's jealous and he's vengeful, and uh, it shows. But, it shows. Jesus, Jesus came and erased all that stuff. Yeah, right. There. Yeah, I don't you even know, know why that's we have just for the Jews. Why do we even have that Old Testament connected to our New Testament, right? Well, yeah. Well, no, only when it's handy, or I guess we well, don't want to get rid of the the Ten Commandments or something. Yo. And it has some good instructions on how to treat the gays and the divorcees. Mm, and how to beat your slaves. Yeah, yeah. That's, gotta that's make sure handy. They live for a couple of days. You know? Yeah. Yeah, otherwise. Not, not that we'd have slaves, because that would be wrong, but. Well, you know. not according to the Bible. Well, you know, that was, that's just cultural. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just cultural. If you knew, yeah. the, if you know, if you understand the context. Yeah, Of yeah. what is being written in. All yeah. makes sense. Yeah, they probably and, didn't cover that at Prov. And and yeah, you um, depending on how you read the Bible, then uh, the Crusades were great. They were fantastic. Uh, well, like, you know, yeah. it's gotta take back Jerusalem. You know, that's God's city. And the, after all, and the Bible was interpreted so that uh, residential schools were a good thing, right? Um. Uh. Well, you know, the Catholics and the the um what you call it the anglicans that was their kind of thing i wasn't, mm, right. I wasn't around for those conversations yeah well don't look too closely cuz uh the mennonite uh, churches there were a few involved in residential schools as well well but those were the good ones oh right right 
Yeah, I find that they were doing. I found that interesting too. That that people say, oh, there's people that uh, you know said that the residential schools were okay. They actually had a good time there, and they learned some things, and they had nice teachers. And yeah, despite all that, I think being forced to go and being removed from your family and not being allowed to speak your language or taught your language or have your long hair, those are still all things that result in some culture loss and damage. And, uh, yeah. If not to the kids, then to the parents. Yep. Let's be honest. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, people, I heard uh, someone speaking this week on the radio who said when they came back from residential school, and I don't know that they said a lot of, regardless of what they experienced at residential school, just the fact they came back to their people, um, not knowing the language and having their cultural norms sort of stripped from them, they felt like outsiders inside their own tribe. And that alone, even if they were not sexually abused uh, at residential schools, even if they were fed well, even if somebody was kind to them, uh, those things, like feeling, feeling awkward, and out of place in your own family is bad enough to scar someone for life. So I don't, I don't know that there would be any residential schools that would have been good or, or okay. Well, clearly the, the intention behind them is far from, um, regardless of, regardless of how they may or may not have been run. Um, it was, it was a, the purpose there was clearly to, to wipe out a people, to assimilate them into what was the right society. And that is inexcusable by any measure. Well, Patrick, I look, I'm looking at the time here, and I think my hymn sing program is about to come on. Um, but I think we got some more things that we need to be talking about. Could we, could we come back next week and uh, chit-chat a little bit more? Absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that. I would really appreciate that. I don't think I've quite gotten all my points out here that I want to tell you uh, to make you believe again. Uh, but I'll make sure uh, I have enough prips and uh, schnetja to tide me over Excellent, excellent. I'll bring some squeaky cheese, you know. Ooh, shine. Yo. So, uh, so I'll t- see everybody here again next week. Uh, but until then, this is Stephen Harder reminding you that underneath our Sunday best, we're all naked. We'll see you again next week.